Welcome back to the Humdrum Drummer Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Freeman, and the show today is brought to you, as always, by, well, yeah, and there's Tom Alderson, totally forgot about that guy. Just kidding. But um, the show is brought to you by Drums for Sale and Luke's Drum Loot, where on both of our pages you can find all sorts of crazy deals. I'm going to list some HHXs today, some legacies, good stuff. Um, and if you're listening in the past, you can scroll by and be like, wow, that was an amazing that's an amazing price you know so be on the lookout so this week we are Grayson and I were kind of struggling to find a time to record because he basically picked up a second job um, and I moved back from college yeah and I moved back from college and I've been working crazy hours and stuff so the times he's open the times we used to record were no longer available so today we have we have our buddy uh, Tom Alderson on with us. If you'd like to say hello, Tom. Yo, what's up, peeps? What's up? What's up, drums for sale, uh, fam? Shout out to the drums for sale group chat. We started the. Which one are we in? The third one or something? This is. I think it's number three. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, what's up, listeners? But this is this is our buddy Tom. He was in that original group chat that we talked about, and he's been in punk bands and all sorts of stuff. He's toured the country. He toured with a kit with it. Did it have a 26 inch bass or a 24 inch bass? Uh, I, I t- from like 20, 2012 to 2015, I was touring a lot in hardcore bands. And the last tour I went on uh, was 2015. No, 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 that wasn't the last one. But the, the, okay, the, it, was the, it was the only real deal one that was booked by booking agents, and we had like actual deals and it was a great experience the band that we were on tour with for a month i borrowed his kit every night on this tour he had a 26 inch bass drum a 14 inch rack tom and 18 inch floor tom it was uh difficult to set up i would say well i mean honestly i think that sounds like a lot of fun are you sitting outside is it, it, is it good weather out there and uh you, are you from delaware is it that I I am. I am from the north, 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 northeast corner of the state of Delaware. It is 72 degrees and sunny outside, and I'm sitting on my porch with my dog, and there's a little breeze, and it's just a perfect day. Uh, How you doing? What's on your mind? I I feel like we haven't we haven't chatted in a while. What you got for us today? That's true, man. We haven't. We uh, Luke and I text back and forth all the time, like every once in a while, pretty regularly. But I don't know, man. Life is great. Uh, work, uh, work is good. Um, work is good. I have a podcast of my own, so I'm really grateful to be sharing the airwaves with you guys. Uh, I have a podcast called thank you for your services. Uh, we basically just talk about, uh, we talk about work and our gripes and, uh, you know, crazy stories, customers, customer service. And then we talk about pretty much whatever the heck else we want to because my co-host is like my best friend of 20-some-odd years now. And uh, I, yeah, I've been, I'm not in any bands at the moment, so I've been putting all of my focus into that, and it's been really great. It's a really nice artistic output for me. And it just I just find it super rewarding, and it's fun to make them. It's fun to edit them, and like it's fun to watch. Uh, it, it's fun to see people listening to it and like... Um, I love hearing feedback and it's, it's really interesting. And we're, we're like 21 episodes deep now. It's cool. 
Yeah. And no, the all in all, life is pretty pretty cool right now. That's good. I to have hear. no complaints. That is good to hear. Uh, Tom is actually the reason that me and Grayson decided to do the podcast. It was it was my spring break for, from college, and I was just I was just chilling, working for my dad, and we do like landscaping stuff. And I was listening to podcasts, and I was listening to Tom's podcast, and I was like, you know, if Tom's doing it, it's probably not that probably not that far out of the line you know for me to me to try it and i was like you know i texted grace and he's like yeah sounds like fun but again guys this is this is just me and tom today and um on the weeks that we're going to be struggling to schedule an episode um it'll probably we're probably gonna have some more guests i know that pity bones drum shop he was super interested in having like a restoration talk and that guy does insane restorations Ooh. Yeah, I know. I yeah, I texted him and he was like, "Yeah, man, I'd be honored. It sounds like fun." So, we've got that lined up. We're gonna have an episode talking about all like custom stuff, um, boutique brands, all that stuff. So, we do have some quality content coming out, and I apologize for the three weeks that it's been, but we're back, and this is gonna be a pretty, I think, a pretty raw audio uh, take between me and Tom here. Just stronger than ever. Yeah, stronger than ever. Which, uh, I mean, Back with a vengeance. Sam Sam doesn't really edit that much out anyway, but um, I mean he'll get some like occasional noises or if I have a chair and I scoot it across the tile or See, whatever like I did. But I mean, personally, I keep all that stuff in on my podcast. Yeah, and you guys have because a, you guys have a soundboard and it cracks me up. <laughs> it cracks me up. <laughs> that's that's a uh, I I uh, that's like a, th- a tribute to like Morning Zoo, like Howard Stern, and like Opie and Anthony radio shows I used to listen to. I just the like an ap- an aptly timed sound is one of the funniest things to me, <laughs> on like a radio show. So that's why I have it. And the the recorders that me and Luke both use have uh, slots on board for like four sounds. So I downloaded some MP3s from the internet and I stuck them on my memory card. And it's they just crack me up, so I I can't resist a good soundboard. Clip. I have to look into that because I listen to some radio shows in the morning, just occasionally, like when I was driving to school and stuff. And those would those would always crack me up. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. me and Tom today we're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about snare drums. Snares are something that Tom is very well versed in. I mean, he worked at guitar. One center. of my favorite things in the world, oh, snare yeah. drums. Oh yes, yes. Tom is a, Tom is a big fan. So Tom, if you would like to give a little bit of your drumming background. And then just kind of tie in, you know, snares you're playing, what makes a good snare, whatnot. We can just Heck yeah, man. have a nice conversation here. So, I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, so I started playing when I was eight years old. Uh, my dad worked in a, a local, uh, he called it the music store. But it was uh, it was essentially, you know, it was, it was a... I mean, it was fair enough, called a music store. There was retail downstairs, so there was guitars, basses, keyboards, like three drum kits tops, and then upstairs there would be lessons. And uh, he worked there for a really long time when I was when I was really young. So there was drum kits in there, there were guitars in there. I would like I'd like fiddle around with stuff. And my also my dad is a lifelong guitar player. He plays professionally. And his full-time gig, he's a guitar tech, so my life has, literally my life has been centered around playing music. So I would tap around on the drums in there, and then next thing you know, I'm like, I would like learn, I learned a little bit of playing back then. I Eventually I picked up a guitar for some years, but then I didn't actually own my first drum kit until I was about 16, because 
my dad being a classic guitar player was like you're not bringing a drum kit in this house it is far too loud <laughs> what uh what what drum set was it just real quick uh my first drum kit was a pearl forum oh i had a road show so i mean we're, we're pretty similar there yeah it was uh uh i didn't hate it i mean it was fine it did the job uh that was my first acoustic kit my first first drum kit ever you mean yeah sure what was an Alesis DM5? Oh baby, <laughs> with with the super hard not not with the mesh pads. This was the one with the hard plastic pads that sounded like practice pads, that, <laughs> or sounded like linoleum counter or something. If your if your dad's a guitarist and as guitarists classically are not big drum fans, it's he crazy he, he notoriously hates drummers. Yeah, no, it's crazy <laughs> to believe that he would want that. I don't, I don't know that he wanted it so much as he wanted me to stop asking for it. So he was like, you know what? I'll appease you. But I think I can. So eventually, it, it, it took about a year of that. And they realized that I was on the second floor of the house in a single family home, probably, I don't know, 1,200 or I don't know. I, I don't know square footage. Never mind. Small house. <laughs> so I'm upstairs and a bass drum, as it's been explained to me, is you're literally stomping on the floor, so it's not that much different, real acoustically. Uh, if you're stomping on a kick drum pedal with an electric kit, or I mean, an acoustic kit is much louder with cymbals and snare drum and everything. But they were like, you know what? He may as well just, you know, it doesn't matter at this point. And then next thing you know, I brought home an acoustic kit, and I was like, what are you gonna do now? It's here. <laughs> and they just kind of, they just kind of were like, well. <laughs> exactly and they were like well and then my dad was like well i mean the more he plays he could probably play with me so uh, silver lining i suppose yeah. so that's what that's what started me drumming and i've been playing ever since when i was uh 20 or 21 i joined my first hardcore band and then that was like the main uh genre music i played oh the mail just showed up hey mail hey mail carrier what's up and then, yeah, I've been playing drums ever since. I'm 30, about to be 31 in July, and I've been playing since then. So It's amazing yeah. how fast family members get used to instruments. You know what I mean? Because um, for me, me and my dad, they had a, um, it was Christmas, I think? Maybe my birthday, I don't remember which one. But we went we went 50-50 on a drum set um, nice. from Opus One, and it's now out of business. But um they had a sale running on on the Pearl road shows, and Mom was like, "Oh, or whatever," and everybody was, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't like it at first. Shout out to my loving and caring parents because I know they're gonna be listening to this. We we moved it to the basement, and you know, it's like kind of loud or whatever. But you know, now my older brother the other day was napping through me playing, and my mom. It's reg- tolerable. I know my mom regularly like takes naps during like while I'm playing. And for a while, my brother worked night shifts, so I would be, like, mm. I could only play drums at, like, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock, and my parents are, they, they're kind of early to bed, so they go to bed at 9, and I'd play from, like, 9 to 10 or whatever. And they'd sleep oh, just PM. fine. Oh, PM. They'd okay. be fine. And we're in the basement, you know. Well, yeah, down down in the basement, yeah, it's not it's not nearly as big of a deal, I would say. Well, yeah, but it's, uh, it's unfinished, it's ringy, it's echoey, like, it probably amplifies ah, the sound, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, especially cymbal noise. It probably carries that a lot. And then, I mean, like I said, you're stomping on the ground with a bass drum, right. and it, and that low frequency is is ringing through the house. So I get it. 
it's not like rocket science to me. I understand it. The the whole problem at my house, I didn't have a basement growing up. All I had was my room. So it was very loud yeah, in the house when I played. I have a, I have a friend who lives who lives um, kind of near me. I guess he's more in the neighborhood, and he just it's a one floor house, like a fifties like uh, like those one floor like fifties style houses. And uh, mm-hmm. he he would play, and his neighbors would like complain, and they're not even like that close. But the sound just carries through the walls and stuff. And I didn't realize this, but you can hear me outside in our yard whenever I'm playing. I was like, oh. Oops, it makes sense. So basement windows, they they the sound travels very easily through walls. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's uh, it's pretty shocking. Yeah, but nice. people also, yeah, also people who sorry to cut you off no, like good, that. Also, like people who complain to you, like get a life, do find something to do. Yeah, literally, it's. I mean, I have ADHD. I would come home every day after school and play an hour for a while, just like that. Oh yeah, to blow off my steam. You know what I mean. One thousand percent, man. So did I. For a long, long time, I did the same thing. So, what does a what does a hardcore gig look like? I mean, we we do country and like southern rocky stuff, and I guarantee Ooh. that differs entirely from the like. Whenever I hear har- hardcore, I'm thinking of the Denny's the Denny's meme. You know, the two a.m. Denny's <laughs> Yeah. That's what I think of. So, what what does a hardcore gig look like? <laughs> what is up, Denny's? What is up, Denny's? It's it's very DIY. When I say DIY, it is DIY to the fullest extent. Uh, somebody, somebody, usually some, usually whoever's in charge of the show has to somehow find a PA, and hopefully they know how to run it. Because if they don't, they have to enlist the help of somebody to do, to to do sound. Uh, you're not miking drum kits. You're not miking amplifiers. Uh, bands are bringing half stacks. And the bass player will usually bring, like, you know, a full stack or whatever the bass player setup is. Most of the time, it's that Ampeg 8x10 that looks like a black fridge kind of thing. And that's standing up somewhere. And then the drum, like I said, the drum kit's not mic'd, so... Not even the kick? Not even the kick drum's mic'd? Not even the kick drum. Wow. So, so, uh, you're... I mean, a lot of these gigs, too, are in small, either halls or rarely they'll be in a bar or like the like sometimes bars will have like a venue in the back like they'll be there and sometimes uh when when you play like real venues like a venue venue you'll be mic'd up so that's a little different but i or or uh you'll play shows in somebody's basement and there's no sound system in a basement much like your your very basement luke an unfinished basement (laughs) there will be shows in there and there'll be between 20 to 50 people in there who paid to come see a show and they'll be standing around together watching bands play. I've, so. I have some friends, um, friends is a loose term, but I know some people in at a IU, which is like Indiana University, and they mm-hmm. have basement shows and stuff like that all the time. And they're fun, man. Well, they're, I love I them every once in a while. Their music, it's 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 an acquired taste, <laughs> but um, it doesn't matter what it is DIY. I mean, it's right. It's all. It's all. It's it's. It, it, it may not be punk music by definition, but it is punk attitude to me to throw a show in a basement. Yeah. Like, that's so punk of you to throw your own show no, and just, just have people show up and donate or pay to get it. Like, it's not it's not official by any means. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no like, overhead or, like, 
crazy crap to pay for. So 100%. it's it's so it's so silly. It's awesome. No, those, those it's videos, a great. The videos do look like fun, and the drummer like will like frequently kick through his kick head, which I've like never done. But they just they play really hard. They play they play really loud, and honestly, it looks like a lot of fun. But um, yeah, that's 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 a little bit different because tonight we have a gig tonight and. I'm like gonna dang near all my kit, not all, but like the snare, snare kick, and then one, two overheads just to get those toms. But we're playing it like a, we're playing it like a beer garden or something like that. First, nice, that's awesome. Random, like all these small towns in Illinois, they all have their like days, like a harvest day or like a. This one is cold days, which I didn't even know was like a thing. And then we have mm. popcorn days and september it's just i don't know they have little festivals for everything that their little towns do which is cool which is totally cool but that's awesome yeah i know it's just like we're at a we're at a beer garden i mean a basement basement gig does sound fun but tom you're you're a pretty organized guy when it comes to snares what's your what's your sound how do you how do you tune your snares what's your i guess range of frequency on those well generally i like to keep my snares around like a medium high like not super high, but definitely like a medium high. I like a crack, and I like I like it to project, and like um, I de- depending on what kind of snare it is, I I think that they perform their best in like that medium to medium high range. So like my I don't know, it just it just that uh, uh, I think the contrast of a, a medium high snare or to like high on even on the higher end snare drum. Like compared to your toms and your kick drum, is like a, it's like a nice contrast. Like the snare sounds so different than like a floor tom or a, a rack tom or something. I just I really like that. I dig it. So the, a lot of my snares are around that neighborhood of tuning. Like I have a, uh, I have one, two. I'd have to actually go to my shed and count them. I think I have like six snare drums right now. Oh, I forgot about the seven. drum shed. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so real quick to circle back to the the setup. Uh, when I moved to my new place, I have a sh- like an one of those like Amish built like sheds that you can get. Well, around this area, you can just like find sheds that are well. You can get them at Home Depot too. Sheds that are like pre-made, and you just stick them somewhere. And years ago, my dad bought one at the old house, and he insulated it, and he ran electric to it, and he turned it into a little like makeshift guitar shop. And then eventually it became mine because he stopped using it. And then uh, I cleared everything out. I cleaned it up. I put carpet down and it became my drum shed. So I keep my drum kit in there. Uh, There's no little to no noise in the house of when I play. And the neighbors are far, just far away enough that they don't either don't hear it or they don't care enough to ever bring it up it's never been brought up one time so it's been a win-win for everybody so out in my so literally out in my drum shed i think i have uh uh just to go back to the tuning question i keep i keep i know i keep one or two snares low like medium low because they again they perform better in that tuning like i have an 8 by 14 babinga star classic that i keep like medium low it just sounds friggin' awesome in that in that in that range is that like your kind of 80s backbeat sounding snare drum no, no not so much it's it's more of like the uh i i recorded uh 
I was I was just in a band called Drowse, and I recorded our full length uh, record, uh, full length by a meaning by eight songs. But uh, I had it in like a medium tuning range, and it like sounded just freaking awesome. So that I was recorded the snare that. On that whole album. Yep. Wow. Okay, I would have never guessed that that was an eight by fourteen. That's right. Babinga shell, diecast hoops. My backbeat snare, my go-to backbeat snare, mm-hmm. is my uh, my brass Starphonic. Brass? Oh, the the nickel over brass one. The nickel over brass. I am obsessed with that drum. Yeah, Tom has only told me positive things about that snare drum. At one point, yeah, I have I two a, of them. What? I have I have a I have a nickel over brass and I have an aluminum. Oh, okay. Yeah. At one point, I had a Manu Kache. Um, Yamaha, the black nickel over brass. It was kind of like the Yamaha version of Black Beauty, but it had the aluminum die cast. And Tom was like, bro, you want to trade for a little bit? And I was like, dude, I don't know if I could give this thing up. But (laughs) (laughs) that was the scenario he wanted to trade, and I only heard him just rave about that. So I know you have, you have an Omar Hakim, the Mm -hmm. mahogany one, right? The mahogany scenario, 13 Mm -hmm. by 5 and a half? African mahogany, 13 by 5. 13 by 5, okay. Yeah. What a... What do you use that for? Do you use that typically? Because I've been thinking about buying one of those, and I know that that's a that's a pretty budget snare, and a lot of well budget in this in the scheme of things, but a lot of our a lot of our listeners are into the budget market or are looking around for stuff. So can you kind of like, what would you practice? What, what's a practical application for that snare drum? Well, um, I'm in a band with my dad when he's home from the road and we do like singer songwritery kind of stuff like not quite Fleetwood Mackie like not super hippie stuff but like you know there's uh there's a lady singing there's a lady playing bass and there's my dad and myself uh I like uh, I really like using it in that gig because my kit is like a a 12 14 20 and it just it sits really nice in the mix and the the shell on that snare drum sounds just so so much better than it has any right to <laughs> and like uh i put i put die cast hoops on that as well and uh but it's not i i don't i don't tune it like a power piccolo like it was intended although it does kind of live on my left hand side when i'm home uh when i use it as a main snare if you if you tune it like medium like i said medium to like medium high like my my favorite level the 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 shell just does exactly what it should it just it sings i love that mahogany tone of that drum See, it's, it's, but go ahead go ahead to i'm sorry to uh to what you were saying i would not call it a budget snare drum anymore it used to be but i would not say that it is anymore yeah it used to be able in to my pick opinion. them up for 100 150 bucks any day what those they, were the days where do they didn't how much did you get yours for i think I got mine for two oh five wow. or two fifteen yeah, or that's, something. That's Be- a, that's an Acrolyte price now. Like how they've the ten dollar Google <laughs> Acrolytes are now three hundred more than that. Yeah, man, it's crazy the market right now. But um, uh, typically I see them in the neighborhood of like two fifty, two sixty, two ish, and those are the standard ones with like just the uh the uh, triple flange hoops and just the chrome hardware. Mm-hmm. I purposely sought one out for years and years. I was like, maybe I'll buy one, maybe I won't. And I was waffling back and forth. And then one of them popped up with the gold hardware. Oh, the gold hardware, yeah. 
so I snagged it. Yeah, that, that looks really nice on that dark wood grain. Um, it looks just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, to me, you said, you said like Fleetwood Mackie. They used uh, their drummer. I think he used a 40s Radio King, and that's a six and a half. But that's a, I think that's mahogany poplar mahogany, maybe. No, no, it's Steambit Maple. Excuse me. Steambit Maple. That's a, I mean, that's a thick backbeat snare. So I was like, well, okay. So that kind of caught my ear. What is, which, I mean, what's the best wood snare you've ever played? That I've ever played? Ever. Ooh, that's tough. Ever. Like, ever, in, ever. Yeah, including the stuff that you've sold or traded or still hmm. have now. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I, honestly, the Star Classic Babinga 8x14 is way up there for me. Mm-hmm. I've had it for some years now, and I do not want to get rid of it. I just, I could, I just couldn't do it. Probably either, uh, you know what? I have one of these two, and I will not get rid of it either. Six and a half by 14 Pearl Reference. Oh, the ref. Those are, is, 20, it, is, is it the 20 ply? It's 20 plies. Oh, my goodness. Uh, four, 14 plies of maple, six plies of birch on the inside. How much does and that weigh? you would think it's, it's pretty hefty. It's definitely over 10, but less than 20 pounds. It might be 12 pounds or something, but either way, the shell is a real beast, but it's not, uh, it's not like preventatively, it's not like preventatively bulky. It's obviously six and a half by 14 has die cast hoops. So it fits in a normal snare stand. And I don't know, like the, all that wood in that shell, although it really excels when you tune it up pretty high because the shell is so thick, it, it really does that. Well, if you tune it medium or if, even if you tune it low, it's so cra- it, The crack is just unreal. I would be, and all that. Go ahead. Go ahead. All that maple just, it just sings. It's it's great. I keep saying sings, but it really does. It really, really does. And then when you tune it up high, the birch does the same thing. It does its job, and all that wood is just working together. I, if if you're in a in a in a pro if you're in a pro budget level of spending, I highly recommend picking up one of those. My, I would sing its praises all day long. My only concern is that it's twenty plies. Is that like one dimensional at all? Like, cause you keep saying sings, and I would think if a shell is I don't know, three inches thick or whatever. Um, would that restrict the sound at all, or is it really just like an open sound? It's pretty friggin' open, to be honest with you. And it crazy. records super well, too. It, it sounds crazy. amazing on a microphone. Yeah, it is a, it is a crazy drum. So we're talking, about, we're talking about tone wood here. Do you think... Okay, there's... I don't know. There's, there's some pretty all-over-the-place opinions whenever it comes to tone woods. What matters more, the tone wood or the tuning and heads and hoops? Uh, that's a two-part answer. Uh, on the short term, the heads and the hoops. Uh, on the long, in the long term, like recording-wise, mm-hmm. it's it's obviously the wood, because uh, if you're using a professional recording setup, I hope uh, the honesty, like the honesty of those good microphones, will show you what's going on or what's wrong with your sound. Like if you are, if you're at the place in, in your playing career or your playing life to pay attention to sounds that detailed, it will come to light under, under the microphone. Now in like a live setting, it's, it's very much important to have the right heads and maybe even hoops because that will be like the transparent, like, uh, 
like example of what you're hearing in the room. Like if your drums are tuned super low or like whatever, uh, anything, anything at a gig, uh, the, the most important thing is your heads, I would say. And then shells and stuff like that comes very much second. What, what are your go-to heads for a gig or not even a gig? Actually, you know what? Gig studio, whatever. What are your go-to heads? Ooh, this is an interesting, this is a, this is going to be the curveball. You ready? My number one favorite, my number one favorite setup of all time is coated single ply heads, top and bottom. Top and bottom. Top and bottom. So like, ambassadors over ambassadors, or like G exactly. one coated over G one. I do. I, uh, for a long time and probably continuously, I will do a UV one coated over a UV one. For your toms, so, right? Uh huh. Okay, what do you? What snare side do you use? Evans three hundred, then, since you sound like an Evans guy. Yeah, I'm an Evans guy. Just a you know three hundred, a hazy three hundred or ambassador snare, whatever it is. I have, nothing crazy there. I've only used UV twos. I've never used a UV one, but the UV twos were like super super thick. Are are the UV ones like extra extra dense? I guess for longevity on the road. You know, they're not much different. I would hardly, I wouldn't even say they are any different thickness wise. I mean, they're still 10 mil thick, like a standard, um, coated head. The only difference is the, the UV light, you like curing method that they use for the coating that makes them so durable because they're not any different size wise or thickness wise. They're just, there's something about them, man. They're, they're just magic. I love them. So do you also, you also go with like a one ply coated on your snares too? Or do you try two ply or something something different? I mix them up depending on which drum I'm using. Gotcha. Like my um, like my Omar, yeah. I'll keep a single ply on that guy, of course, because it's like it just does what it it does what it does right. best with a single ply coated. My reference, I'll keep like a single ply with like a dot on it, like a control, like your equivalent of like a control sound. Uh, my Babinga, same thing. I'll do like a, a single ply, my brass and my, my brass and my aluminum. Actually, I do single ply on most of my drums, to be honest with you. Most of my snares. Yeah. I keep a, keep a single ply or, uh, a power center. That's what it's called. A power center. Like I have a, I have a Gretsch hammered steel. Yeah. Six, six and a half by 14. I keep a, I keep a control sound. I mean, I mean. Dang it, a, f uh, a power center on that head or on that drum. Sorry, but yeah, most mostly single ply heads actually. Yeah, I uh, over. I mean, over the years and stuff with with snares, I've really only used one ply. I tried two ply kind of early on, but that was like before I knew how to tune. But mm. I've used, you know, ambassadors. The what is it? I yeah, the Gavin Harrison. I have the Gavin Harrison signature. It's uh, it's birch. It comes with, like the reverse dot or whatever. And I think I think that's one ply, but I mean everything I have has got a one ply on it. And uh, I mean for wires, I just use like the Pure Sound twenty inch or uh, twenty strain ones. I think it's blasters or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. How many how many snares do you bring on a gig? Because I'll be honest with you, I bring one and I try to tune it to the room. And I know we are, you're a lot more particular when it comes to this stuff than I am. So what you got? One. One snare. That's it. I bring I bring one snare. I do not like to fuss around with like a lot of a lot of stuff. Really. Really. 
Like, not that I, I'm not a minimalist by any means, but I'm also not going to, like, switch snares between songs, really. I mean, at hardcore gigs, like, the, the set times are, or your, your set lists are much more fast-paced, so there's not a heck of a lot of time to, like, fiddle with stuff like that. And, like, honestly, the, the music is pretty one-dimensional in a sense that it's more about, like, keeping, it's, it's like, it's keeping up the pace and stuff so you don't like like there's not many lulls so to speak but even at like a gig like with my dad with with that band i wouldn't bring more than one snare ever like you said i like to tune to the room also and a heck of a lot of the time uh i'm usually right and uh my drum sounds just fine the way i had it in the room or it sounds how i want it to sound in that room well, there you go, guys. <laughs> you were uh, you're talking about you're not a minim- minimalist, but you want to like have a more compact or not compact, but just like an easier to get in get out type thing. Um, I've really been heavily looking into the uh, Yamaha hip gigs, like the stage custom hip gigs. It's like a twenty by eight bass, ten by four tom, and a thirteen by ten, maybe nine, thirteen by nine uh, snom. Would that be the move for gigging? I know you're a you're you're a kind of a twenty two inch, you know, live or die kick drum type guy, but I don't know. I'm I'm kinda sick and tired of just hauling around a big kit and taking forever to set up and tear down. What are your what are your Well what, honestly what are your thoughts on the comments? Honestly Yeah. Honestly, uh well for what I do, I mean, uh compact kits or not not what I do anymore actually but what I what okay what I used to do a compact kit would never work because like I said rooms are not mic'd up um uh uh your kit is not mic'd up so it would just get buried by the sound of amplifiers but in a situation where like you yourself are gigging the way you are uh I think a compact kit might behoove you sometimes because I think uh, you you might try it and you might come to see that like you're when you play a compact kit you are very much playing a compact kit like the drums don't respond the same way that like full size drums do full size finger quotes but like especially like a thirteen by whatever floor tom like you'll really notice a difference because there's no like. Even the difference between a, a drum like that and like a fourteen by fourteen floor tom, you'll be like, "Wow, this is so different." And and even me, like I don't even like playing for, like like you said, like uh, I I do kind of live or die by uh, by twenty two inch kicks, so a fourteen inch floor tom doesn't always make sense for me. I just there's something about that sixteen inch floor tom I'm just I'm just married to at this point. I love it. I love I love the size. I love the response. I love the growl that it has when you tune it just right. I but, totally um, get that. Yeah, um, I've yeah. seen a lot of people put like the Evans hydraulic heads on the on the 13 inch floor tom just to try to get it, like fatter and deeper. But I don't know. I, I'm just not a hydraulic fan. But I mean, if that's what you're doing to like <laughs> deaden it and bring it down, I guess that's what you got to do. Um, to that 16 inch conversation though. I think 14s have a better sound, but 16s just. I would agree. You know, so in a live. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, so in a live situation, I've got to have a. Personally, I like a 16, but if they're all mic'd up, I'll take a 14, because I think they're easier to tune a, 
and B, they have like a sweeter tone. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but mm. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? That is an astute observation, and I agree with you 100%, actually. I think 14s do inherently sound better. They definitely tune up easier because there's less drum to work with. And something of there, they do have a magic to them also. But like I said, man, that like in like like we both said, especially in a live setting, there's something about that beef of a, of a 16 inch floor tom that just it feels like it just belongs there. You know what I mean? I totally get it. How do you how do you tune your 16s? Uh, pretty pretty haphazardly, not very well. <laughs> no, I I, I kind of like I, I kind of lay my hand in the middle of it and I get the wrinkles out. Mm-hmm. Like I like like everybody does. I start with finger tight all the way around the hoops. I lay my hand in there, and then I get most of, if not all, the wrinkles out, so that when I take my hand off, there are no wrinkles at all. But if you put your hand or your fingers on there and you push a little bit, you'll see some. So I keep them tuned pretty low. A guy I met, and he's in like a he's in like a Led Zeppelin type, Greta Van Fleet type, you know, like just a rock and roll type band. Um, yeah, sure. He worked at Guitar Center for like three years, and we, we became pretty good friends. And he showed me this this um, tuning tip one time, and it was on a PDP concept kit like that that wood hoop one. And on his sixteen, he had the he had the rezo head like double the amount of tight that the top head was, and the top head was pretty dang loose. Like you could like huh. you could press it, but he said it breaks up the frequencies, and it like it just rings a little bit less and like settles easier. And I've, that's all I've hmm. done now. Like that's the only way I tune my my floor toms is by doing that. I, wow, I there might there might be something to that. I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely keep my rezo heads tighter than my batter heads, but not. I don't know if I would say double. His his were pretty but close to. That definitely makes sense. It was weird. I, I kind of do the same thing with my rezo heads. I stick my hand in the middle. I get the wrinkles out, but I make sure there are much less wrinkles in the bottom. So they're they're definitely they're definitely definitely tighter than my batters. Well, maybe go maybe go try it out, but the I mean the the batter head was pretty, pretty loose, but I've only ever done that, and I, obviously double might not be tr- like the full extent of it, but it was, it was arguably a lot tighter. So I've you know for floor tom tuning, that's what I do, and I try to mix them up. Mm-hmm. But you have to um, all right, you have to experiment with it because you know mm-hmm. each drum is different, each each drummer is different, so you got to try this stuff out. Okay, so yeah. you were the one who has been on me to buy a 402. Is that like the ideal mm-hmm. metal snare? The Supra 6.5? Metal as in like a metal shell? Yes. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not metal genre. Metal, yeah. Metal um, it's up there. It's definitely top five of all time. But I wouldn't say it's the number one for me. Is your nickel over brass the number one? It sure is. Wow. I just uh, if that's my de- that's my desert island snare. If I had gun to my head one snare drum for the rest of my life, it'd be brass. But uh, the 402 is like a perfect snare drum by every sense. It does everything. It tunes well in every direction, high or low. Uh, they're easy to maintain. Uh, you can find them everywhere all day long whether you want to pay full pr- like whether you want to pay a good price or not that's on you and how you shop or how you wheel and deal or whatever but they are readily available and just they're awesome they do everything literally everything they sound good 
but a lot of them have that lovely Ludwig P85, which we all know and love. <laughs> I hate that thing. I did a, I did a, we, I'm doing engineering um, at, at college, and for one of our classes, we had to do like an engineering fail, and I did the P85. I don't know if I've said this on here or not. And when I'm finishing, everyone's clapping. I'm like, okay, like, cool. Whenever I finish, the teacher's like, you know, I've had one of those, and I've broke one of those. Actually, I've broken two of them. And I was like, wow, you're a drummer. Cool. He's like, yeah, I have an old set of Ludwigs. So we talked for a bit about it. But it's, I mean, it's pretty universally hated, the P85. Have you seen their P88? I have not. Explain it to me. Well, if you, have you ever seen an indie strainer? You know, the drum I, I love them. Yes, I, I, I keep them on 402s. It is literally I, that. Like that, Oh, like yes, that I have strain. seen those. Yeah, they took, I think they took like the patent or something, or they did like a licensing thing and changed it up slightly. But those are, those are amazing. Those are like the best strainers ever. I think yeah, they're like a, they're a carbon copy of the indie strainer. I, that's a great point. I actually did notice that. In fact, that that unlocked a memory for me just now. Here we go. Uh, last year, uh, last year when I was working, uh, uh, my dad, uh, one of the many gigs he has when he's home, uh, making money, he works he works for this guy named Jeff Bove who does professional recording. Shout out uh, Bove Studios, in uh, in like uh, Pennsylvania. So. He enlisted my help to help get his drum kit and his drum room and everything tuned back up, cleaned up, tuned up, maintained, and all that stuff. And he enlisted me to find him at 402. So that's exactly what I did. Um, I was looking around for good deals. And then, lo and behold, uh, on the uh, shout-out Dale's Drum Shop in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, one of the... One of the best drum shops in the country, I would say. Definitely the best within driving distance of me. Uh, And and if you sign up for their email blast and you live in the area, uh, if you live in the area and you're in the market for gear of any kind, I would highly recommend signing up for their email list because I got an email one Friday that in the store they had a a bare, they described it as uh, used, uh, Ludwig 402, and then I e I think I I did either the chat feature or I emailed one of the store people, and those guys are drummers too, so drummer to drummer they'll they'll talk to you. They like I was like, what's up with that 402? Because they listed it for like three something. It was it was it was either four hundred like four hundred and five dollars or something, or. Uh, three something because it was good enough of a price that it caught my eye and I messaged them and they were like it's literally brand new like somebody bought it and probably didn't use it and I was like great I'm on my way (laughs) and I live about a two-hour drive from Dale's so I jumped in the car and I drove up to Harrisburg and I grabbed it for Jeff and then uh, Jeff was like oh perfect just tell me how much tell me how much it is and I'll cut you a check and I grabbed that 402 immediately and it had one of those P88 strainers on it and I was looking at it I was like man if I had this when I bought my 402 I wouldn't have had to swap it for an indie <laughs> because it's so sweet I totally remember that I have used a P88 yeah those those indies 
yeah, those trainers are great. They're fantastic. <laughs> They're like 50 bucks. You would have saved some money. Um, speaking of Ludwig, have you seen their new snare line? It's uh, I think it's pretty affordable. The Universal line. Have you seen that at all? No. No. Go on. For three forty nine right now, there's a 65 by 14 black brass snare drum with chrome hardware and tube lugs, though I know you hate tube lugs. Um, brand new from Sweetwater. For $100 more, they have the black chrome version with the hardware and die cast hoops, and they all come with the P88AC, which is I'm listening. effectively that one, but you know how it clicks when you tighten it? When you tighten yes. it, it doesn't click. That's the only difference. And on okay. top of that, they have 8x14, um, 5.5-14. I think there's a 13x7. Yeah, 13x7. And then also for their wood side, they have beach, which I know Ludwig has never done a beach snare drum. Ooh. Cherry. There's a cherry. Um, mahogany, which they're pretty well known for, and that one has re-rings. And then they also have walnut. But these are... These aren't oh, made boy. in America. These are made in, like, I don't know where they're... I think Taiwan, which, like, all those other drum factories are. So I'm sure it's probably close or at least similar um, similar woods. But, I mean, just the thought of a... Of, I, I love beach snare drums. Beach snare drums are awesome. They're one of my favorite woods entirely. And so... Beach is super underrated, and I'll tell you why. Why is that? It It, it does a lot of the stuff that Birch does. But it has a little bit different of a sound. I think it's a little warmer. Like, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, didn't you get an SQ2? Am I imagining that? Yes, I have an SQ2 kit, but it's medium birch. Ah, okay, never mind. Because I know I know SQ2s are known for being beach. Yes, sonar. Sonar. If you're gonna buy, if you're gonna buy a sonar, like no offense to their maple, but there are other brands that do maple. If you're buying a sonar, it's got to be. Birch or Beach because that's like that's their backyard like they, those trees are like 100 miles away or less you know that's what they do so I'm I'm shaking my head yes furiously yeah 100% I agree with that other companies do maple and I would say some uh, some companies do maple better I had a uh, Yamaha Beach Custom Absolute so it had like those no, Novio Novo however you say it, those Novo lugs Novo, Novo. No, yeah whatever but it, they like hook and they tighten and it's easy. But it was it was thirteen by five and a half beach and that was like the most responsive snare I've ever had. And it was it cut and despite being thirteen, and it had a lot of warmth. And I was I was very surprised with it. So seeing for brand new fourteen by six and a half with a what kind of veneers on that? It's a gorgeous veneer. But for four forty nine, brand new from Sweetwater, you know, a beach snare drum from Ludwig. That's that's just crazy to me. I don't know. You're, yeah, you're not beating that. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Also, real quick, I don't know what where the stigma for tube lugs came in. I don't hate tube lugs. Oh, it might be somebody else. I thought you didn't like tube T lugs. No, I'm fine with I, tube lugs. I feel like we've had this discussion. You're like, I don't like cheap looking tube lugs. It may be someone. Else. No, that it, it might be somebody else. I I I would say that uh, defaulting to tube lugs can make a drum look cheap, depending on what it is. But I don't hate them. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I don't avoid them by any means. I. I actually, you know what? I don't know that I have any. <laughs> I, I. I can't say honestly. I don't think I have any drums with them. But I think that's just happenstance. I don't know. But anyway, that is a pretty awesome thing for uh, Ludwig to put that out. So they had to. They had. They must have had to have an answer for Thomas SLP. Well, and this is. I mean, they're more affordable. All the drums, like if they're metal, they have seams, and they're made in. I think they're made in Taiwan, but. 
I mean, that's the only way to keep Ludwig cheap because, I mean, they're if, if you look at their mahogany snare with the exact same stats but made in America, it's like a thousand bucks. But this one's 449 and still has the maple re rings and still is a mahogany poplar mahogany shell. So it's just like, wow, okay. <laughs> it's like the same thing but deeper and, you know, $500 less. So I think Ludwig. That is, is awesome. I know. I don't, and they don't really have much in the beginner slash intermediate side of quality mm -hmm. drums. I think Tama, mm -hmm. I think Yamaha kill that. And mm -hmm. Pearl, especially with their their session studios i think pearl is incredible oh, yeah. with that um so i think this is a, this is a nice this is a welcome welcome surprise and this is i mean these are less than a month old and uh, we haven't podcasted in three weeks but we're going to talk about it me and grayson were but um i mean and that is really cool <laughs> i know i know i didn't think i'd ever see a a uh, black brass snare drum from ludwig for less than eight hundred dollars new you know Oh yeah. yeah but anyway, buddy. I think it's about time for us to hop off. It's been a pleasure with uh with Tom Alderson here of Drows and many other bands. And uh you know, I hope we can hope we can talk again sometime. Here when the Yeah, the round of applause. Oh yeah. I'm using my soundboard on my side. You'll hear it when, you'll hear it when you get my file. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, we will hear the applause there. Well, thank you thank you Tom and we'll be back next week and you know, hopefully. Now, can I plug? Can I plug real quick yeah. before we get off? Go ahead, go ahead. Plug. No, like, if uh, <laughs> if you like the sounds of, if you like the sounds of my uh, <laughs> my banter, uh, please uh, check out my podcast too. Thank you for your services. Uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Instagram at thanks for your services underscore podcast. Uh, thank you was too long, so thanks for your services underscore podcast. And uh, we're on all the platforms so you can find everything in the links in our bio and all that stuff like i said it's about work and it's it's a comedy podcast so nothing serious we're just uh horsing around really and it's a fun time so there's some guys uh, being dudes there uh, exactly that exactly plug. that hey that's the band that's our band name guys being dudes oh it's been a long it's been a long no time. thank thank you so much for having me on and uh grayson too uh I hope he can. Um, I hope he can find some time. I love listening to this podcast. It's it's a real pleasure to be on a podcast that I actually listen to. Yeah, well, we'll yeah we'll figure something out, and I'm sure, like I was saying, like the the pity bones one that'll be fun. And I'm as soon as we get some scheduling figured out, because I'm gonna start taking some summer classes to take thermodynamics this summer, which will be awesome. Uh, not wow, actually. that sounds really fun and not boring. Not boring at all. No. Um, <laughs> But hopefully we'll have some more time because we usually record in the afternoons. But, you know, he picked up a second job and all that. But anyway, it's been fun. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Tom, everybody. A applause sound effect. That's right. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next week, buddy.